October. I know I don't usually do time-sensitive things. I don't usually talk about the date. I don't usually talk about timely stuff that is in the moment. I like to talk about music and Queen and other things that are evergreen, relevant stuff that no matter what time you listen to it, it's going to be interesting and hopefully informative and fun. But today, I was just thinking about a lot of stuff. And honestly, it has been way too many Queen Deep Dives. I've done like five or six of them in a row. And it is the perfect time to talk about something else because I just finished A Day at the Races, the guy's fifth album. I did my little Who Stole My Attention the Most on Races on my last episode just yesterday. And I was thinking after I finished it, my gosh, there's a lot of stuff happening and a lot of things on my mind. And I just want to talk about it. And right now, I literally, guys, I've got my coffee. I'm going to take a sip right now. Yes, I have my coffee. Ooh, wow. Wow, that's a good balance today. I never know exactly how the pour over is going to turn out. And the truth is, I transitioned from my Chemex. I actually broke it. I got myself a V60 ceramic. And I like the ceramic. It's a different, it's a different flavor. It's cleaner. It's a little brighter. I think the glass, something about the glass Chemex changes the balance of the coffee brew itself. And I kind of like the ceramic V60. So that was a good little investment. I highly encourage you to check it out if you're, if you're a pour over fan like me or you like to experiment with different coffee stuff. Check out the V60 ceramic. You can get it from, I got mine from Stumptown Coffee on their website. It was pretty inexpensive. It's a lovely little investment to have. And it's heavy duty. I feel good having it. Like, you know, I can't drop it, of course. Like I, it's, I'm not even going to tell you how I broke my Chemex. It's kind of embarrassing, actually. I was trying to take care of it when I broke it. <laughs> I was, I was a little bit too hard on the thing, but uh, super sad. That was a gift to me from one of my best friends. And I thought of her every time I would make my coffee. So now it's just this memory that I have. <laughs> anyway, enough about my coffee. I have coffee now. And I want to just talk today. So many things. We're going to talk about some deeper, deep, deeper, deeper, heavier stuff that, again, is, yes, it's very relevant right now. And I'm encouraged to talk about it because I, I don't like to talk about controversial things or deep, heavy you know, political things too much. I, I definitely have thoughts and opinions, but I hate conflict. It makes me uncomfortable very, very much so. And I was going through my deep dive for Queen's White Man, which is, of course, Brian May's number. And that song, the content of it, the context around it, it has some controversy around it because it was written by, you know, a quote unquote European white man. And I say that with quotes because I don't know Brian's descent. I don't know where his heritage is. You know, I don't, I don't know where he comes from and his family line, his lineages. So I say that not knowing fully where his origins are. But anyway, he as a quote unquote white man wrote this song coming from the natives perspective about how white men abused and took away from their culture, et cetera. And it, it's, a lot of people say, Brian, how dare you write that? You, you're writing it, you know, that's offensive. I think, because I know Brian the way I know him as a man who's very insightful and wants to understand people and support people and wants to 
express things about the world and people at large. I think his intentions were very genuine and he was probably trying to make a supportive statement in every in support of everything that he was singing. So that's how I perceive it. But I do understand why it would be offensive to some. So I, I, I like to kind of approach things from both perspectives and understand that. And that's how I am with pretty much everything. Even if I have a very strong opinion about something, I want to understand it. And so anyway, I'm digressing. But as I went through that dive, I was actually inspired by... I was scared to talk about it at first, but the more I went through it, I thought, okay, I can get through this. And it actually inspired me to, to maybe touch things that are a little bit heavier and deep, deeper and tougher to get through in other conversations as well. So today I'm digging into things that have been on my mind a lot. Um, I've just been thinking about stuff. And one of those things I've been thinking about a lot is this virus we've all been collectively as a world battling, of course, for this long. I mean, guys, it's been almost, we're coming up on the cusp of two years of first hearing about this thing. And and I remember that. I remember hearing about at the very, very end of 2019, what was going on in China. And at that point, you know, it, it felt worlds away being in the United States. It, it felt like something that couldn't touch anywhere else because it was at that time, it was thought to be so isolated over there. But I, I remember hearing about it and reading about it. And I wasn't too concerned about it at the time. But then in January, the very first known recorded case was in Washington State, which is where I was at the time. And I remember reading about that and how the hospital, the clinic was so confident in what they did to isolate this person and make sure they were okay. Well, then, of course, another month and a half or so goes by and it becomes very apparent that this thing is out there in what they called and what we all now know so well, unfortunately, as community spread, where this this virus has been out there and is circulating and people are getting sick. I remember hearing about a 16-year-old or 15-year-old getting it. I remember when the long-term care facility in Kirkland out there in Washington got it. They had the outbreak. I remember when some fire stations had to quarantine because it started spreading amongst some first responders. You know, it was just trickling out. And of course, it didn't take long for everything to just rapidly shift. And oh my gosh, it just, my ping pong emotions bouncing from these different sentiments from day to day of most of us will be fine to, oh my gosh, we're all going to die. You know, I, I, I was back and forth so much that it was more exhausting. The back and forth was more exhausting than actually feeling like we might all die, <laughs> which of course, but that's, guys, that's what, what it was. That's what it felt like. That's what the media was portraying. I mean, honestly, I... I had to turn off my newsreel on my phone because, and I used to love my little Google newsreel. I've actually disconnected myself from Google a lot this last year and a half, just for lots of reasons. But at the time, I loved my Google customized newsreel. I would get all these these articles about Queen and Brian and Roger and all these things that I really liked. And it was nice to, to peruse it every morning. But then it was all COVID, COVID, COVID constant, or excuse me, at the time, early on, it was coronavirus, coronavirus. I think then eventually we realized, oh, there's a lot of coronaviruses. Well, we need to be more specific. It's COVID. (laughs) Anyway, it was constant inundation, completely relentless inundation of so much exaggerated or misinformation. It was awful. And I turned it off. 
I had to turn it off. It was like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot be, there's this onslaught of every case, every outbreak, everything everywhere all the time. And I, I get it to a certain extent. This was new. It was totally unknown. It was foreign. Nobody knew what we were dealing with. And we've finally begun to understand that certain elements of this were obviously exaggerated or we were over overly concerned. And there's certain other elements that maybe we should be more concerned about. So it's just this learning process as we go. But we can look back at things and say, oh, wow, that was that was not what it should have been, or that's not what it could have been. You know what I mean? I had to unsubscribe from so many things. I stopped looking at social media. It was just this terrible feeling of having to completely disconnect myself from the world, even though we were all in the world dealing with this thing. It was very strange. I actually did a video, I think it was in April of last year. And I, I had gone for a run and I was naked faced and I, my hair was just a curly, fluffy mess. But I wanted to talk about how I was feeling and what was going on. I wanted to document because at the time, my hubby and I had been very hunkered down for several weeks already. I was one of the first to really start isolating that I knew of because of my autoimmune disease. I had no idea what this meant for me. I had no idea if I was at a much greater risk because my immune system is kind of cattywampus anyway. I didn't know what to expect. So my hubby and I were very, very, very cautious. And I remember the last few times we went to the, the grocery store before we really started to isolate even more so, I was literally running through, through the store. I was trotting through the store to get in and out of there so fast. I was, that's how scared I was. It, it, was, it was a terrible feeling. And I, I, I recorded myself talking about what was happening. And it's just, it turned into this like 15 minute long video of me expressing the fear, the confusion, the isolation, the feeling that the world was shifting as we knew it. Because I'll tell you what, guys, when this first happened, and I left, I left the office for that last time. And I remember standing in the break room and I was there with one of my best friends. And I grabbed her hand and I squeezed it really tight. And I just, I had this feeling that something was changing and it wasn't just the virus, that something else was, we were gonna be going through more. And that did end up happening in, in some good ways and a lot of bad ways. We, we went through so much last year in 2020. And some of that just continues to permeate 2021 and it probably will into the years beyond. But I felt very much like we were gonna be facing something that, many, many of us will never face anything like this again. And it's going to try us so hard. And I just remember standing in the break room and squeezing her hand and just being like, because I wanted to hold on to hope. I said, I've always believed everything happens for a reason, but I was so scared. I was like, wow, you know? So I did this video talking about all that and just what was going on. And I watched it again for the first time in a, a long time the other day. And I thought hindsight is really, is really something, you know, to, to know how much I was feeling all that and the, the panic attacks and everything. But then you come out going, okay, I'm stronger in this way. I know I can handle this, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just, I was thinking about all that and how it's changed us how it united and divided us and how politicized everything has become 
on both all sides of the aisle, right? There, there's been elements of all of this that I don't, I don't think it matters what country you're in either. So much has been twisted and changed and manipulated. Yes, this thing is real. I've never doubted that it was, but I've, I've always been skeptical about actions taken in some circumstances to limit things or control things, et cetera. It, it, it's, it's that question of at what point are you actually losing your freedom as a human being to make your choices when the choices you make directly affect people around you? You know, at what point do you do you tell the people, okay, it's up to you to be responsible to, okay, we need to control this. It's a very, very fine line to walk. I am glad I don't have to make those decisions because we're talking about people's lives here and we're talking about the livelihood of people's lives, right? It's not just saving people's lives. It's saving people's livelihoods. It's very, very hard. And we're all scrambling and fumbling through it. I think some people are honestly trying to do what they think is best. I think other people are trying to take advantage of situations. It's a very unfortunate situation that we're in. But you know, I again, I like to understand where everyone is coming from, even if I'm staunch in my opinion about something. I like to know, well, why do you feel that way? Tell me why you feel that way. This is why I don't like conflict because it's so easy for people to get offended, right? Everyone is not as open-minded as as others. Some people are just, my way is the right way, period. I don't care what you say. And they will get very angry and aggressive. They call you stupid. They call you wrong. They call you uninformed. They call you immature. They call you any any number of those horrible things that you can that you can insult someone with. You know, it, it's it's a terrible interaction when you have those moments with people, but it happens all the time. And Beyond that, you know, the influence of social media and all of this and how easy it is to become misinformed. I I think we're reaching a point where people are going to start, if they're not already, they're going to start going back to the source for information and news and not relying on hearsay and not relying on things that are spreading through the innards of social media because social media is, it's a mess. And I started thinking about that more because Facebook is under fire again. Apparently, and I haven't read all the details about this, there's this development of, a, I guess, a kid's app for Instagram. And there's been so much criticism around this. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about kids on technology, social media, et cetera. It, it is such a dangerous place to be. I... I Okay, so here's the thing. There are arguments about this development for this kid's Instagram thing that it's like nicotine or tobacco. You know, it's this addiction and it's terrible stuff, especially for kids. I don't know if I'd say that. I think that's a pretty severe criticism, but there's something to that to say, well, this is like a cancer, especially for younger people. There's been studies that say that Instagram now, not this developed kids version, but what it is now is incredibly harmful for teenagers because it presents this warped idea of what you should be like. And teenagers, they're so impressionable. I remember what I remember what that felt like to feel like I was this odd duck that 
nobody understood me. Guys, I would come home. I'm not ashamed to admit this. I would come home crying almost every day from school because I felt like people didn't understand me and I was alone and nobody could understand how I felt about things. You know, I've always kind of felt things a lot and I I don't, first of all, I'm sure I wasn't alone. Now I know that because so many of us, when we're that age, we struggle alone. We don't know that the person sitting two chairs down from us in class is going through exactly the same thing. We don't know that because there's this pressure to look and be the absolute best thing in the world all the time. So for kids to be on social media, it's a very difficult thing to to contend with. And I, you know, people talk about giving kids phones and that in this day and age, it's important to do that for safety. I know that the world, the world is not like it was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. It's changed. It's a really good idea to know where your kids are, give them an easy way to get in touch with you. But unless you do your homework and find a device, and they do exist, that you can give your child that doesn't have internet access but allows them to call or text, they're going to have access to pretty much anything they can get their hands on. And that's a very, very scary thought that they can get on the internet and look up anything. I think there are some people that think that it is, you know, the government's job to restrict access to certain things for kids, teenagers, et cetera. I think that needs to be something that the parents should be dealing with. That's what I think. I'm not a parent, but I know that I know some parents think about this. Some parents are very conscious of what they're giving their kids when they give them something. And I think it's important to remember that certain things are not a right. They're a privilege. It's like driving a car. My mom used to say that to us when we were learning to drive. If we're not responsible, we can't drive, period. It is not your right to drive a car. And there are so many different elements of our lives that are that way and should be presented that way. But I think because of this perception of this need for things like a phone or technology, people will insist, well, it's my right to have this. Well, no, it's not. That's what I think about some of these things. Now, come back at me and say, okay, well, let me give you this example and I'll talk to you about it. But in my opinion, I think there are certain things that you need to think long and hard before you give this to your child or your teenager because they will not only use it, they will sometimes knowingly or unknowingly abuse it. I'm just saying. Coffee, coffee, coffee. I know a lot of this stuff is very heavy. I'm getting into some pretty polarizing things here, but that's my point is how how polarized we are as a community as as a world right there's so much unrest and so much confusion and where do we get this information so we can trust it etc cetera, etc cetera. and everybody thinks their source is the best source you know it takes a lot to convince anyone that they should reconsider their opinions because of xyz because once you become ingrained that's where you are especially if you're basing a lot of your beliefs your morals, everything on what you believe spiritually, which is is a whole nother thing, right? That's a whole nother facet that, in my opinion, should be more important than anything else. I think I wrote something about that last year about how 
beyond everything that was going on, I had to always put God at the top because sometimes I just couldn't do any, there was nothing else to be done. You guys, it, it, for me, I have to give stuff up to the man upstairs because I can't hold on to all of it. I won't, I, I, I don't have that capacity, but everybody's different. Everybody has a different approach for that kind of stress, those kinds of things. My goodness, <laughs> sorry, I've, I've really gone off on a lot of tangents here, but it's not all bad, you guys. I, I've been thinking about some good stuff too. As I said, it is October 1st. It's the first day of October. October is actually my birthday month, but I care about that less and less as the years go by. The importance of today in a good way, Roger Taylor, my favorite queen, just dropped his new solo album, his first in years called Outsider. Love the title, by the way. I totally relate to that. I feel quite homeless sometimes. What I literally mean is like politically, emotionally, in so many ways, I feel homeless. I feel like I don't really belong anywhere. And, and I, I guess that's why I relate to this title, Outsider. But yeah, Rods just dropped his album and he's doing a limited, I think just in the UK, a tour for a very short period of time. And he himself said, you know, he might not do that again. You know, he might do stuff with Brian and Adam for Queen, but as far as anything solo, this might be the last time. And I'm so upset that I can't hop across the pond and see him. That would just make my millennium, you know, but uh, I'll have to just check out some recordings online, I guess, and live vicariously through those. I'm so looking forward to it. I bought the album and I'm waiting for it to be shipped. I rarely buy discs or albums anymore. There's only a select few artists I do this for. I've done it for Radiohead, Bjork, Dido, Queen, obviously, Roger, Brian. You know, I, I've there's artists that I will always buy the album. I, I like to have it. Um because they're just super special to me. And Roger himself said, this album is more mature, it's more wistful. And that's right up my alley because it's it's a little bit like, if it's like his more reflective stuff with Queen, like Drowse, I love stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to getting this. I've only heard one song, well, two songs, in, in their entirety off the album. One of them is the new one, We're All Just Trying to Get By. It's got KT Tunstall on it. She sounds great with him, actually. It's a great song. And the other one is Journey's End, which of course he released a few years ago. <sighs> that alone makes the album worth buying for me because I love the song so much. But I haven't listened to anything else because I want it to be a surprise. Delayed gratification. I'm all about that. So I'm waiting to get the album to put it in my collection and enjoy it and listen to it. And... I love to, to see the books, the artwork of albums, and to feel and smell the paper. Does that sound weird, guys? I, I used to love that experience, buying an album, buying a disc at the store, getting home and reading along in the lyric booklet and looking at the pictures and smelling the paper. It was like this novel experience. Every time I would do that, it was this whole experience, taking the cellophane off. I, I loved it. It was like opening a present. So every time I do that now, it's this special moment of, ooh, I have something new and I'm excited about it. But yeah, I have one CD player right now. It's actually my computer. It's so old. And I can burn from the discs onto my collection. And I, I, I only use iTunes for really just putting the files onto my computer. I actually use, guys, it's a, it's a free service called iBroadcast. 
and you can manage your whole music collection, your digital files there. It is a digital music library. It's a player. You can make playlists. You can edit songs too. So it will pull the information from the data on the song file. But if something's wrong, if there's a misspelling, if the track list is, is incorrect, you can edit everything in your music library by hand if you want. It does take a little while. They have a nice uploader thing you can download. So you can upload bunches and bunches of albums and artists at a time, but it takes a while, obviously, to just get through that upload process. I think I spent days, I was dedicating hours a day for several days just getting my entire collection put into iBroadcast. But it's a wonderful platform. Their customer service is very responsive. Every time I've messaged them about a little hiccup, they get back to me in less than 24 hours. So it's just nice to have that that personal touch on the customer service. And it's just a really great platform. They have they have an app too. So it's, it's a nice service. I highly recommend you check it out. I don't think there's any limit on the number of songs you can upload either. So have at it. I broadcast. Speaking of new music too, I should mention I also bought Brian May's reissue, what was it, his 30th anniversary of his solo album, Back to the Light. Brian is so good. I love the album. His songwriting is so dynamic and melodic and his harmonies are, are really surprising. It's nice to hear him and only him front and center on the album. We got all that lead vocal work and the harmony vocals. He's got this wonderful sensitivity, but the grittiness comes out as well. I was listening to a few of the songs with my hubby in the car and he was like, oh, wow, he sings just as good as Freddie. And I'm like, see? <laughs> so yeah. You should check out Back to the Light if you haven't already. Just buy it. Give, give the man a little love. It's a really good album. It's really great. It stands up really well after all this time. I'm sorry. I'm saying really an awful lot. I apologize. I'm trying to be better about some of those words. But who else is out there? I should listen to some new stuff from current artists. I'm terrible about that. I'm terribly out of touch with, with current artists, top 40 billboard topping artist right now. I I know a lot of a lot of who they are. I just I don't listen to the music. And I've been that way for a very long time. I have such a big collection. I like to stick with the stuff that I I know I really love. But occasionally I listen to things on, you know, Pandora just to hear new stuff. And I actually discovered Ellie Golding that way. I heard her song Wish I Stayed, which is is on the UK edition of her debut album, Lights. It was not on the American edition. I bought the UK edition, I think on Amazon, and it has a few other songs on it that are, are not on the US edition, but I really like Wish I Stayed. It's such a deep song. I think it, she said it was the first one she wrote playing her guitar, and she was really young. And like other songs I've mentioned, you know, like Drowse by Roger Taylor, um, Solitary Man by... Neil Diamond, I think, what did I say? Something like Neil wrote that when he was maybe 20. I love when we get that kind of very reflective, mature writing from an artist. And it shows that they're not just this young, mindless, partying person. There's such a complexity and a depth to their thought process and what they perceive in life and, and what it means to them. And that reflection, I really love the depth of character we get in songs like that. It's such an eye-opening thing, especially if you're a little older and, and you're getting a little bit jaded and you might be thinking, well, this generation is sunk. 
<laughs> you know, if you have that feeling and then you suddenly, you take a step back and you look at these people and you're like, wow, you know, they're fully realized. Yes, they're still learning. And hopefully we, we all are still learning and bettering ourselves as we get older. But they're, they're starting to grasp things in this very deep, poignant, serious way. And they start to understand that this matters and this really shouldn't matter as much. You know what I mean? It's that whole perspective, that, that shift of perspective. I love that kind of thing. But um, speaking of music, I'm working on my own stuff again too. I know I don't talk about that much. I, I made a kind of a little deal with myself that my podcast would never be a promotional tool for my music. So I, I very rarely talk about it, but I have been diving back into that as well. I, I'm working on, I'm resurrecting a few archives, old songs, which is kind of fun. And I'm working on a lot of new things too. And it's always fun to go back and dig up stuff like that, that you wrote or that you created, you know, two decades ago and go, wow. And there's a very strange simultaneous feeling of you're right back in it emotionally and you also feel like it's worlds away. It's a very odd contrast of emotions to simultaneously feel like it's something so close to you because you made it, but it's so far removed from what you might feel now in your everyday life. It's really strange, that kind of feeling. But beyond that, let's see what else. A lot of changes in my medical world, but I'm getting through it. I talked about shifting to infusions for my ulcerative colitis the other week. And I officially have my first infusion scheduled for next week. Here's hoping it works. <laughs> Here's hoping it will be a very healthy shift for me to get away from the other medication that unfortunately has become just too big a risk for me to keep taking it. Guys, how long have I been talking? Wow. Coffee. Anyway, that is it. I wanted to talk about what was on my mind. Hopefully, if you've been thinking about it too, just know that you're not alone. I struggle with this stuff all the time. I'm definitely more confident in my ability to handle this kind of stress, especially when it comes to the ebb and flow of what's happening in the world at large. You have to learn that you can't carry everything. You know, you cannot put the weight of the world on your shoulders. It, it might feel like you should or you could, but you really can't. And you have to protect your well-being. There are times when it's good to reach out and to be involved and to come together collectively and un unify. Not unify. Um, I guess that, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say something about unity. Unify. Okay. Sorry. My brain is fried, clearly. And... I'll be back again next time. <gasps> I'm working on the kickoff for the next Queen album. It's going to be such a radical shift, you guys. When you have members of the band themselves talking about the shift, you know it's a big deal. It's not just a subconscious thing. It actually happened because they planned it and they wanted to do it that way. So we're going to dive right into that one. I have to do a lot of work first. I'm not going to lie. It might be a few more days before I'm ready to do that. That is for next time. I just, this time I wanted to break it up with a little something different. I just wanted to talk about stuff. It had been a while since I did an episode of random chit chat about things. Maybe it's time for another random deep dive. I've been thinking about that. Who can I talk about 
that is interesting. I'd love to do another one for Beck or Bjork, but I kind of want to tackle an artist I haven't done yet. Maybe I should pick a song that a lot of you guys won't know. One of those obscure artists, those really underground indie artists that I, I love so many bands, singers like that that are really, really phenomenal. And you'd never know about them otherwise. So maybe I'll use my random deep dive episodes, that series as a vehicle for talking about songs that are less known. And I realize that some of you might be less interested if you don't know the artist, but hey, if you're willing to go on those adventures with me to discover something new, maybe that would be fun ideas. Anyway, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I hope something goes really awesomely. Awesomely. I love words like that that don't really exist, but they're fun to say. I don't think beautifulness is a word, but Bjork says it, so I love to say it. Or is it, no, not beautifulness, beautifulist? She has this wonderful spin on these words that are, they're lovely. They're lovely, and they sound good, so hey. Um, I'm going to use them. Did you guys ever make up words either recently or when you were younger or whatever? Fun fact. I came up with the word scrouching when I got scratched and I meant to say ouch and it came out scrouch. And I started saying it for a period of time like it was a cool thing to say, like that scrouching. <laughs> it reminded me of, what was that phrase that like, was it Justin Timberlake said crunk? for a while that it was a cool thing to say. Anyway, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay, made up words aside. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day or night or whatever. Whatever time it is for you, whatever is happening, keep yourselves alive. Do not put it all on yourself. Let things go. Talk things out. Just manage your way through the muck. Consider other perspectives, other angles. Talk to people. Try to, try to feel it out. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox with that. Okay, guys, I will talk to you again later. I'll be back with some more queen. Have a great one.